This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. It's a frustrated group for sure because obviously they're not putting the puck in the net, but they're trying to get it dialed in. I think right now just got to find ways to play a meat and potato power play, just you know, shoot pucks and get, get some traffic, find second and third opportunities, try not to make that extra pass, but we'll work through it. You know, that's the nature of the game. You're going to have slumps where your power play is not good and you're going to find ways to get out of it. You know, there's only one way to go up. So I think today was a good job of working on it. I thought our power play, both units worked pretty good at it, competed, got some good looks and scored. So hopefully that can build a confidence booster. How much of the power play struggles this year take Nikita Kucherov aside because as you've heard the show a number of times and especially yesterday and it is power lunch here on lightning power play I am Greg Linnelli along with Dave Mishkin Steve Ersnick is producing one hour of hockey talk for you hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio let's Dave put aside Nikita Kucherov and his absence from the power play because I I, I do think I don't want to be overly simplistic with why the power play is ranked 24th this year at 16.2%. But I think it's fair to say that Nikita Kucherov is uh, the biggest reason why the power play is struggling. I was on with uh, Patton Aaron on 95.3 WDAE, Dave, yesterday. And leading into my segment, I I was listening to their show, and um, God bless me for doing that. Um, but no, no, I, <laughs> I, I joke. that The guys are great. They were talking about wide receivers and Odell Beckham and, you know, Antonio Brown and that, you know, can it work when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady? Tom Brady makes everybody better. And I was like, you know what, that's actually, I, I think, something I can kind of parlay into Nikita Kucherov. It's that the Lightning have a lot of talented players, Dave, but there are some guys who just make a bigger difference than others. And I think for me, and I, I would say you would agree, but I, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Nikita Kucherov is the quarterback of that of that power play. And when you take Tom Brady out, doesn't matter how good your wide receivers are, as talented as, as Antonio Brown or Mike Evans or Gronkowski, they're going to get some catches, but they're not going to get as many because they're playing with greatness. Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Braden Points, we can all make the argument they are elite players. But when you do take Nikita Kucherov out of the equation, I think everybody's level of production goes down. And that's probably more of a compliment to Kucherov than it is a knock on those other guys. So when you take Kucherov out of the equation, I don't think it's a surprise that the team is going to struggle in that specific area of the game. That being said, we understand Kucherov's not coming back for a little bit longer. But if you had to take a look at why the power play is struggling right now, you heard Pat Maroon talking about some of the things they worked on coming into the show, Dave. Is it more about personnel at this point, or is it more about not being able to win faceoffs and get set up? And understanding it's a, probably a little bit of both, but if we kind of had to weigh one more than the other, so far with Kucherov being out, a as you look at the struggles on the power play, do you think it it does come down to, I think they'd be okay if they won a few more offensive zone faceoffs, or do you feel like maybe there are some bigger adjustments the team does have to make outside of winning faceoffs on the power play? Well, let me back up to what you started talking about, and that is 
how do you overcome the loss of your quarterback, essentially? And you make some good points, but your points are going right into a headwind, and that headwind is the Lightning's power play last year, where they went the full regular season without Kucherov, and they finished at 22.2%. Fair point. That was ninth in the league on the power play during the regular season last year. So they've had success. And I think, you know, if you're over 20% of the power play, I mean, were they, were they up around 28, 29? No, but it was still good, right? right. Yep. The power play did well last year. And they and talking about the regular season, not in the playoffs when Kucherov came back, when it when it was sensational and as much as any other reason won them some games, some games, not every game, but but some games they won because their power play came up huge. Their power play wasn't quite as prolific during the regular season, but it was much better than it has looked right now, and they did that without Kucherov. So maybe maybe the question I would pose is what is different between this year and last year and in last year without Kucherov. So from a personnel standpoint, you know, there's there's no Tyler Johnson, there's no Yanni Gord, but neither one of those guys played much at all on the top unit. It was Plot filling in for Kucherov and the other four guys were basically the same. So that is a difference, but I don't think that that's a significant difference. The other difference is they're playing more teams. So last year in the Central Division, Carolina, as we've talked about, like they have an excellent penalty kill, and their penalty kill was excellent last year. I was looking at the stats. I was a little surprised Florida's penalty kill last year wasn't higher for a team that did as well as the Panthers did. But it's interesting, of the sin opponents the Lightning had in the Central Division last year, only Carolina had a really good penalty kill percentage-wise. So maybe some of this is the Lightning were seeing teams that simply didn't kill penalties as well as the rest of the league, and now they're seeing the rest of the league, right? Maybe some of it is teams are adjusting better to what the Lightning want to do without Kucherov, but, but here's... Here's the part that I come down on, acknowledging all those other factors that, you know, there's a little bit of a difference in personnel. The Lightning are seeing some other teams as opposed to just the same seven. They are not going back to the power play that they had in place last year. And there's, I'm assuming, some reasons for that. But Andre Palat at Kucherov's spot was basically the swap that they made shortly into last year's regular season. They didn't start season that way, but where Braden Point was at the right circle on a strong side, they had that for a handful of games. And they moved him back into the middle and put Pilat at that right face-off circle. And with that setup, the power play was reasonably successful. I mean, over 20%. And that was the look they had on the power play, the top unit anyway, for, for most of the year. I want to say the first game after Kucherov was hurt they tried that and then they went away from it so what i look at is i mean like you mentioned face-offs certainly in the last game winning three of ten power play face-offs is going to hurt your power play because you don't get any setup time off the draw to start with possession 
you have to chase. Now you have to get it back in. You have to get reset up, and that can be difficult at times, and that can kill time on your power play. But I think what has been going on with the Lightning is they are still looking for a setup that is bringing them momentum. They haven't found it yet. So we've seen Corey Perry on the top unit. We've seen Braden Point at the right circle. We've seen Sorelli out there for Kalorn. We've seen different combinations. We've seen Palat back on the top unit. I think he and Perry switched, right? And understanding there's another team out there. And I think Carolina is kind of the gold standard for penalty killing when you're being aggressive and doing it well. And, and if your power play is kind of finding its way, that can be tough. And, and we saw that certainly the other night at Amelie Arena. But against less aggressive penalty kills, the Lightning are still not really getting in sync. And I think if you were to ask me why, I think they haven't found a setup yet where the guys are just playing with that assuredness and confidence, no hesitation. You know where you're going and what you're doing with the puck before it even reaches your stick. And so that then falls on Jeff Halpern, who who coaches the power play, to put guys in positions where they can have success and start to build some confidence. This is not a confident power play right now. And a power play that is not confident isn't going to look good. I don't care what power play it is. Hard to imagine the Washington Capitals power play ever lacks confidence because it seems like every time the Lightning see the Caps, their power play is, is buzzing. But every power play goes through it. You watch the Penguins a lot, Greg. I'm sure there have been times and there have been years where the Penguins power play hasn't looked very good, even though they would have like Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, and these high skill guys out there. When your power play struggles, it's it's like it's contagious. Like, yeah, it's like self-perpetuating or whatever. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it gets worse because guys start to lose confidence. And when you lose confidence, you become more hesitant, which makes it easier on the penalty kill teams. And the opposite is also true. When your power play is confident, you start zipping it around. Carolina's power play looked like a confident power play the other night. That was one thing that we were talking about yesterday. Like, Lightning's penalty kill against the Hurricanes did well to, to keep them off the board until the last one. But Carolina's power play, even while not scoring, the Hurricanes were zipping the puck around really confidently. Lightning didn't get many easy outs on those kills where they were just clearing it repeatedly, right? And Carolina could get nothing going. So I think that that is some of it. So when we say it's a work in progress, I think the work in progress is how are we setting this thing up? And and where are we going to put guys so they have success? Braden Point at the right faceoff circle. Like that has just not provided results. Well, I'm, I was going to ask Lightning. you, well, let's go there, Chris. Are you surprised – they they made that move in the first place, and how long do they go until maybe they say, look, you know, Palat had some success there last year. And I'm not going to sit there and tell you Dave he's going to replicate that success, yeah. but, I mean, we saw it improve, at least for me, an improved and harder shot from Palat from that right circle with Point in the slot. I just feel like Point is more comfortable there. Now, again, you take Kucherov out of the equation. I, I Look, I know last year they didn't have him, and they performed well, but I feel like... 
do you go back to maybe what worked a little bit? Understanding the confidence may be, may be a bit shaken, but are we surprised maybe they haven't gone back to that a bit? Well, when something is not working, you do have to make changes. Now, the other thing that you could do, and and look, we haven't talked to Jeff Halpern to ask him, like, you started this with Palat at the spot where he was at last year and you went away from it. Why? And he's pretty frank. I'm sure he would answer why. But if you're going to have point at the right faceoff circle and it's not working in that the power play has not yet gotten in sync, and it's not just him, like he's one piece of it, but that spot on the ice, the way the Lightning construct their power play, like that player is going to have the puck a lot. Now, normally it's Kucherov. And he is so good with the puck and so deceptive with the puck that the penalty kill unit is is almost frozen by him. And if they bite on a play they think he's going to make, excuse me, he'll do something else and get the puck to somebody who's open. That's hard to replicate. But it doesn't mean that the Lightning can't have success if point or somebody else, is at that spot and has to handle the puck a lot, the way they work their power play. And we heard the quote from Maroon about meat and potatoes or whatever. Like, that's true no matter what your setup is. If your power play is struggling, simplifying things is a good way to to get it going. So I guess we don't have an answer to this question yet, Greg. But... Will the Lightning's power play get going when, A, they switch up the configuration or, or maybe and or, B, they start scoring regularly and guys start to get more confident in the way the power play is set up? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if they if they started scoring regularly with the setup as it is configured with with Hedman at the top, Stamkos at the left circle, Point at the right circle, and, you know, Kalorn and Palat, let's say, in the middle, one guy closer to the net, one guy higher in the slot. Let's say they start simplifying things, and by simplifying, I just mean, like, they're just getting pucks to the net, pucks to the net, pucks to the net. Forget about trying to set up somebody for for a clean look shot. Get pucks to the net. Scramble plays, rebounds, screens, meat and potatoes. And some pucks start going in for you. Maybe then the the boat accelerates, right? Like you've turned the boat, and now you can start picking up speed because guys are feeling it. Or do you say this setup is just not in sync? Let's try something else. The problem with continually like tweaking is... You know, guys are are continually being put in new positions on the ice, right? Well, and I think it goes back to this feeling out process with the change in personnel this year. I think they are trying to still figure out, Dave, and this is why I said it may take the whole regular season for this team to feel comfortable with players performing certain roles. Now, you may say that may take too long, and Greg, they don't have enough time to figure that out, and, and you may be right. I, I think they're talented enough, Dave, to pick up points and make the playoffs along the way while still maybe trying to find the true identity of this team come playoff time. I I tell you who's been a little bit disappointing on the power play, and I know he's picked up a a couple of points here and there, and I think part of it was, you know, with Kucherov out, they probably felt like he could be a guy 
that might be able to pick up the void because I think he has a little bit of that creativity with the puck. He's not Kucherov. Of course, I'm not making that comparison. Is Barry Boulay. Yeah, and I didn't mention him. He's yeah, had time on the top unit, And I don't too. think he's performed as well as we would have thought or liked. And, you know, as I as you say that, Barry Boulay was at that spot at the right circle. So Point wasn't always there. Yeah, that was a change they made. I, Point I, went back to the middle, and Barry Boulay was at the right circle. I don't have the answers as to why collectively they are struggling. Dave, I think you brought up a good point about last year. And this could be more of a confidence issue than a personnel issue. But I may go back to what they kind of did last year and just see if they can work it out. Because I, I think there's enough talent there for this team to be in the top 15, top 10. I mean, they showed it last year on the power play. We can get into the, are, are they struggling on faceoffs more this year than last year through 11, 12 games? I, we'd have to go back and look at that. The eye Higher test, percentage on the faceoff would help them start with yeah. the puck. But we've, we've seen enough of this power yeah. play. It's not like the power plays. The whole power play is just trying to bring it up unsuccessful and getting it in. For sure. Retrieve it. Like, they've had setup time. Yeah, they have. And they just have not moved the puck yes. as crisply as they have needed to to break down it's fair. really good penalty kill It's units. a fair point. And if, if you're not going to move the puck quickly on the power play, and I think, Dave, it stems from lack of confidence for whatever yeah. reason— and then that can happen after you win the faceoff. So can. you win the faceoff, that's great. You're right. Like, they need to win more faceoffs. But if you win the draw, then what are you doing with the puck in the offensive zone? So in my, my remedy for that would be if you don't know where to go with the puck and you're just unsure and maybe you're overpassing, it's got to be one-two shot. One-two shot. I know it's easier said than done. Yeah, that's but the per, meat and potatoes. But yeah, and that's what you just talked about. about. Yes, yeah. and I, I think also, too, you know, you've got Hedman back there with a big shot. You have Sergachev coming back here soon, and I think he's got a big shot. I mean, use it to your advantage. I understand shots get blocked. That's part of the game. But how many times have we seen part of the power play is you just get the puck through. Sometimes it's off net, and you hope for a carom off the boards, and you just crash the net. That might be the way to go about this. I'm not saying the Lightning aren't trying to do that. But I think you're right, Dave. The overpassing, maybe guys not feeling completely comfortable with their new spots on the power play is starting to materialize to a point where they're just not being effective. And if this team is going to stay in contention, meaning in the top three of the Atlantic division, with Kucherov being out, the power play is going to have to generate a, a few more goals than what they're giving right now. I'm stating the obvious, but sometimes the obvious is what needs to happen. And so I think that's something to keep an eye on. I think everything you said was right. But I, I, I was just – there's a lot of talk about why the power play is struggling, and I think sometimes we just look at it and say, well, when Kucherov comes back, it's going to be a lot better. And I, I actually agree with that. But I think in the short run here, in the medium run, what are they going to do to get beyond 24th place in the National Hockey League? Well, not playing Carolina will help. And I know this is one game out of 12, right? Yeah. But it's the most recent game. Yes. And they looked really out of sync. But a lot of that, I wouldn't even say most of it, because the Lightning have to own what, what they have not done well even before the Carolina game. But yes, the Hurricanes penalty kill is a beast in and of itself. Good. So let's see how the power play looks now that we're not seeing Carolina. Yes. <laughs> and... You know, when you get the cold water splashed in your face, I mean, how many games have we 
had recently where you look at the Lightning's power play and you're like, that cost them a point. Yep. I mean, the Toronto game, they, they dropped a point, but they only had one power play chance in that game, and it was in the first period. They scored in the power play and won in Ottawa. The other games prior to the Toronto game, they had three wins in a row. So the power play wasn't costing them points. We heard Stamkos' quote after the Carolina game, though, and it's clear in, in what he said, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out, yeah. that had the Lightning had some success in the power play, they would have put themselves in a position to get the second point. Like, in a way, their their inability to do anything at all on the power play really had an impact on them only getting one point out of that game. That is a splash of cold water in your face, which means that then you go back to the drawing board even more and really zero in on, let's make sure that this thing gets corrected. I think that that can be a corrective, right? For sure. As opposed to, yeah, the power play is kind of scuffling here, but you know what? We're we're three and zero in our last three, so it hasn't hurt us. So let's try and be better. But we're good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Maybe they weren't saying that, but coming off a game like they just had against Carolina, where they are not going to be seeing. I mean, Florida's PK. I want to say that PK is is somewhat aggressive. That is nowhere near as aggressive as Carolina's penalty kill, which forces you to make those quick decisions. Yep. They're going to have a little bit more time. Not a lot more time. You can't be tentative. You're going to have a little bit more time against most other penalty kill units, and now they are really zeroing in on this. Today's an off day, but they worked on it yesterday. I wouldn't be shocked if they work on it in practice tomorrow, and let's see if that will help. And I wonder, too. Kind of get the ball rolling here. Yeah, and I wonder, too, and they tried this. I don't know if it was last game. Maybe it was the the previous game, Dave, moving Stamkos around a bit. Because you understand how big of a shot he has. I mean, if look, if if you're struggling making the right pass or you're hesitant where to go, and a big part of your power play is getting that timing down with Stamkos where he gets the puck in an area, Dave, from his office, where he he has the one timer and it's it's usually on net and and most times or half the time it, it's in the net. If if they're taking that away because a there's a lack of confidence around surrounding Stamkos getting him the puck, or just the other team is is shutting him down because there's not another huge threat on the other side of the ice. Do they try and take Stamkos somewhere else on the ice to free him up? Because even Dave, if he gets the shot from the right point or if he gets the shot from the left point. Yeah. A Steven Stamkos shot anywhere on the ice is dangerous, and there's probably going to be a rebound if it's not a goal. Again, I'm not a coach, and the the coaching staff, they are doing the best they can. They know more than we do about how to get this power play going. But when things aren't working, we have seen this in other sports. We have seen it with the Lightning. We have seen it with other teams in the NHL. You switch things up a little bit, whether it's Crosby on the half wall or Crosby playing underneath or below the goal line. Those are adjustments sometimes other teams will make on their power play. And I don't know if it's going to work. But, Dave, the point being, it can't get any worse. So let's see how it reacts if the Lightning yeah. decide to change up some personnel. And and the other part of this, too, is the second unit. So remember in the preseason, the second unit had Perry and Maroon on it. And we were yeah. talking about, boy, you got two strong guys who go to the front of the net. What a, what a dynamic power play 
second unit that could be with Sergachev Correct. at the point. Well, taking Kucherov out and all of the experimentation that has taken place as a result on the yeah. first unit has affected the second unit. You're right. Because now you're you're moving guys around to the second unit. You know, Ross Colton, really since the Kudrov injury, he's been the guy on the second unit at that right faceoff circle. He's a lefty shot, so he's got a good angle. But I don't know how much he did it in Syracuse, but I can tell you with 100% certainty, Greg, before the Kudrov injury, if Colton got any time in the power play, he was not in that position where you're asking him to handle the puck as much as he has had to handle the puck. I think that's, that's the puck point. handle. That's one of the puck handling spots on the Lightning's power play. Guy at the point, guy at the right circle, guy at the left circle. Yep. Even though the power play units may run a little differently. And typically, at least over the last few years, as Halpern has been running the power play, the second unit does have a more meat and potatoes approach tends to have a more meat and potatoes approach. But that's a huge adjustment for Ross. I mean, you're putting him in a spot where he's never played there before in the NHL Yep, on the power play. And that second unit maybe is coming out for at most a minute, usually far less. So, I mean, that's contributing to it as well. And, again, you kind of either stick with it or you change it up. Well, again. and again, it, there's a, there's it goes back to a point we've made on the show. You mentioned Ross Colton. There's another young player, Dave, who is just figuring things out at the NHL level. I yeah. mentioned you've got four of those guys in addition to Colton who are now on a team that needs them to produce in some way. Not not saying they didn't produce last year because they did, but now you have more than one. You have more than two. And you're replacing some really good, productive players. That's why, again, I, I keep going back to this theme, Dave. It's going to take some time. This Lightning team you're looking at now shouldn't resemble the one at the end of the year. You should see some improvements. But along the way, we may have patches of play where things look a little helter-skelter. Things, they look a little off. Don't panic about that. I think yeah. that, I think in many ways, in addition to Kutra being out, this is natural. It's just a team trying to – it's a new identity. Same – there are a lot of core pieces here still in place. But the surrounding supporting cast has changed. Even the veterans, it has changed. And to get all of them playing well at the same time is really hard to do. And so I think we just have to give it more time. And hopefully a couple of these guys, they maybe start to break through a bit and find their role within the confines of what the team wants them to do. And I think that's that's something we just have to find out. Bust a beak, by the way, weighed in. We didn't get to this uh, response yesterday, Dave, before we signed off. He said, the power play is officially a problem. One shot on four power plays is not going to cut it. They've got to find a way to get the puck to the net, simplify things, better zone entries. And yes, Greg, losing draws is a big deal if you lose enough of them. Also, overall, the puck handling has been fairly inconsistent all season. There's not much room out there against these good teams. And if you fumble the puck, Back the other way we go. Happened too much the other night. Carolina gets on pucks fast. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot he fit into one tweet. Well, it was two tweets. That's, that's oh, okay. Bust a Beak. Bust a Beak. Yeah, he busted out the second tweet there. He did. He had to. Well, look, he hit on a lot of topics. He is right about Carolina's ability to make you look tentative and hesitant. Yes. And if you're already 
tentative and hesitant or what what, what was the term he used puck handling yeah the stick handling the puck handling the on. stick handling yeah. you know it could be like a hot potato when you get that puck and there's a guy right on you they're gonna force you to come up with the goods by goods i mean what are you doing with the puck that's going to be productive for your team because if you're not making that decision we're on you and we're disrupting the play and we're getting it down the ice and now you have to go 200 feet. So there was definitely part of that. It's a good observation, Busty. You, you typically uh, nail it, and we appreciate you uh, breaking it all down. Let's get to a couple more before we go to our first break. Kevin Hughes wanted to weigh in on the question we had yesterday about were you happy to earn a point or concern with how the team played last night. He said, Foot got a baptism by fire the other night. I feel like he passed the test abundantly clear that the power play needs some new tactics entries no disrespect to the rest of the team but there's only one cooch got to make the system fit the talent boys well foot did play a lot and hung in there i mean i can't remember certainly not specific plays where you might say yeah he had he had his fingerprints on that in a bad way right mm-hmm so I think Phil mentioned on the air that he felt that that he was he was settling in more and more and more as the game progressed. I think he he mentioned him in the third period as a guy who was who was playing his position well. I don't know if he's going to be getting whatever it was sixteen minutes regularly now that Chernak is out, but we'll see. So no disagreement there. What else did he have on there? Um, let me go after back. foot. Let's see here. Yeah, after foot. Um, there's only one cooch. Got to make the system fit the talent. Yeah. All right. So we'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. There was no cooch last year during the regular season. It's a good point. And it's the power play was was, was certainly good. productive. It was by any measure. Twenty-two percent. I guess we have a good answered- power play. I guess you're right. We're we're only going to know unless maybe we get Coach Halpern on, but they have, at least on the first power play unit, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, this year compared to last year with Kuchoff not there in the lineup, they still have everybody there on the yeah, power play. Yeah, if Palat so, is the guy that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so but like we said, we've why seen was that there. Yeah. We've seen Bari Boulay there. Yeah. We've seen Sorelli there. Sorelli played a bit on the top unit last year, too. Just a bit, though. Yeah, and I. sometimes you don't want to reinvent the wheel, and I think sometimes you need to go back to what worked, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that. We do have a, a couple of questions on the lineup moving forward and what the Lightning may do with some injuries to the back end. We'll talk about that when we return. Anything else on your mind is fair game on this show. We always appreciate it. He is Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Linelli. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The 21st Annual Boat Run, presented by Advent Health, is Saturday, November 13th at Amelie Arena. The Boat Run has something for everyone in the family with a 5K, 5-mile, and 1-mile family fun race. All registrants will receive a finisher's race medal, an official Boat Run t-shirt, and a ticket to a select upcoming Lightning game. Virtual race options are also available that include Lightning-inspired race routes and playlists. Visit tampabaylightning.com slash boat run to sign up today. 
Hey, it's Seth Kusher from The Block Party, and this week my guest, a familiar face around the Lightning, back to play them with Arizona, Anton Strawman. I talked to Strawman about Ikea. If there's one spot that me and my wife fights, it's at Ikea. I'm sorry I had to. About going to Victor Hedman's wedding and eating hot dogs at 2 a.m., I guess it's a tradition, and what it was like seeing all of his friends win the Stanley Cup. It's The Block Party with Seth Kushner, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, it is Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. So glad you're with us. I am Greg Lanelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. We've got Steve Ersnick, our producer, and your questions coming in are delightful. Keep them coming <laughs> at Bolts Radio. By the way, Dave, it's a term that's been used in radio before. I don't know when it's been used. Or how often it's been used. I don't even know if it's correct verbiage, but we are efforting to get Jeff yeah. Merrick on the show from Sportsnet. Nice. And uh, you are I've, efforting. Well, I don't I know Jeff. I've I don't never, know him either. I just listen him. to him. I just listen to him, and I, I enjoy him a great deal. You know what I like about Jeff? I was telling about this with Steve off the air. I've I've heard Jeff get into some things outside of hockey, and he actually was hosting. I'm going to go off track here just a second, Dave, because I found it interesting. Uh, There is a podcast I listen to. It's called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. And for anybody that loves, you know, tidbits and storylines that are factual from thousands of years ago with, you know, Wars that broke out to World War II, World War One. He goes on these just really long podcasts, and he breaks it down. The one I'm listening to right now is is dealing with World War II. Um, but he also has one where it's a, it's a shorter podcast. It's about an hour long, and he usually has a guest on. But anyways, I, I, I was listening to this podcast the other day, and Jeff Merrick was hosting it with Dan Carlin, and it was pretty cool. This was, um, this was a while ago. They were... They were talking about a number of different things about just, you know, where we are today, COVID, how that's impacted so many people. But the point I'm saying is Jeff, I appreciate him because I think he's a pretty deep thinker, too. You know, sometimes you get guests on, Dave, and they kind of give you the ham and egg answer. And, you know, there's maybe not a ton of thought involved in it. Sometimes you don't need to have a ton of thought on a specific response to a question. But I feel like Jeff gives um, some pretty thoughtful responses when it comes to not only sports, but some other things. And I, I always enjoyed listening to him on 32 Thoughts now with, with Elliot Friedman, but also in some other areas as well. And uh, if we can get him on the show, I, I think that would be delightful. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I do agree. But the, uh, the word that you, a lot of people You're going to have to bring out your heavy-hitting questions then. Well. You're suggesting I don't every day, Dave. Come on. Well, I know, but I, you're gonna have to. You gotta, but efforting, you have, you have played up the <laughs> yeah. standard to which he considers questions. I know that means the pressure is on you and me, frankly, it really to is. come up with. Well, you always come up worthy with questions. of his. You always consideration. He'll, he'll love you coming on and and some of the questions because I I think that's one thing we we do do. I, I think we don't ask. You know, you ask your basic questions that you have to, but I think there's some other topics that we can get into questions-wise that uh, I think our audience will enjoy. Al had this question, Dave, and I thought it was interesting because I think it goes back to this season is about getting to the playoffs and I think finding the identity of this team, even though that sounds cliche with so many new faces and with Kucherov being out, we understand the point. 
this team may be different than the last two years in terms of how they go about winning games, specifically in the playoffs, assuming they get there. But I think one of the biggest storylines for us, at least for me, Dave, is just the fatigue factor when it comes to the Lightning trying to three-peat because they have played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. Bobby the Chief Taylor likes to bring up the stat, and it's a correct one. This is a team that's won two cups in how many days? Less than a year when you talk about a full calendar year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty— I don't know how many days. I think 265 or something. We know the like. dates, though, September 28th and July 7th. Yes, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. So the point being, I think any team would be faced with this— adversity or even question Dave would be you know is fatigue going to play a factor more so this year than others because of how many games they played in a short amount of time and specific to that observation your big guns your big horses so much attention has been paid to Andre Vasilevsky and his workload this year and I think it's fair to say that that is a big deal because of how much they rely on him the Olympics and also, too, again, we go back to breaking in a new guy. What are you going to get from Brian Elliott? That's why I said to you the other day in Ottawa, if you can get a win and your backup goaltender plays well on the road, that does a lot to a team's confidence. But I think it gives confidence to Elliott from the coaching staff that we know we're going to throw you out there again and we're not right. going to be afraid to kind of hide you because you're not playing particularly well. Long way to go with Brian Elliott. I, I still think we need we need to see a few more starts to see what we have there. But that was very encouraging. But the talk about that, Dave, has always been, you know, Vassy and what his workload's going to be. But I also think it's fair to point out, especially with the, the back end being banged up, to Al's question, wonder if Cooper might go 11-7 and seven against the Panthers. He feels like, A, Alec, Alex Barry-Boulet has been expendable. Take that however you want to take it. Probably means that he's a guy that can come out of the lineup. Also might be able to reduce the minutes for 27 and 77 see i go in the complete opposite direction here no offense no none taken so the lightning are in a stretch of their schedule where they don't have a lot of games and of the two positions defense and forward the lightning have extras at forward now we don't know if bogosian is going to be able to return he skated in the regular practice jersey yesterday and Schuster was sent back to Syracuse which would then lead one to believe that yeah maybe maybe Bogosian is going to be able to play but Kachuk sounds like he's ready so I understand what he's saying dressing seven defensemen though when you dress seven defensemen I think that usually what you see from that is not less minutes for your horses, but the minutes are divvied up more beyond your top guys. So you're spreading the wealth of the minutes, not among, let's say, Sergachev, McDonough, and Hedman, but you're spreading those minutes between the other guys. That's usually what we see when the Lightning dress seven defensemen. And, look, okay, so let me back up a bit. If you feel Bogosian is is kind of almost ready, you want to put him in, what have we got, then maybe that is a reason to go 7-D, but that's not due to McDonough and Hedman's minutes. That has to do with how much can Bogosian give us in this first game, and we need some insurance. But do they go – let me ask you – You want to make that argument, 
okay. But I'm looking at it as you've got an extra forward right now. You want to get Kachuk in? Okay. But if you're going to get Kachuk in and play 11, you're taking two forwards out. And, but I, I think to his point, I, I look, I think it's a fair question to ask because I think if if all your defensemen, and again, we're living in a little bit of a, a false reality here because that's not the case. I mean, I, I think you're only doing this if your top seven defensemen are healthy, and they are not right now. But let us assume that Chernak is ready to go and Bogosian is ready to go and Sergachev obviously coming back from the suspension. Yeah. If you've got seven defensemen like that, we've often said that I think at least their top seven is as good as any in the league. Do you feel like your top seven is worthy and can give you a little bit more production, however you want to define that, Dave, more so than dressing 12 forwards and six defensemen? Look, I'm not I'm not saying that the Lightning shouldn't or wouldn't go 11 and 7. John Cooper has done that. He's he done did that, it. Right. He did it for half of the playoffs in 2020. The middle two series, the Lightning almost exclusively went 11 and 7. Because McDonough got hurt in the first game of the Boston series. And then, you know, they went with with Shen and Coburn. Both came in. But again, that was less about the other guys. By the other guys, I mean, like, that was less about Hedman and Chernak and Sergachev. It was more about we're putting in Coburn and Shen, and let's make sure that neither one of them has to do more than what we're asking them to do because they haven't played much, right? But the Lightning liked that setup so much, they went with that setup all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And then eventually they went back to 12 and 6. I'm not disputing that. What I am saying is that going 11 and 7 usually does not mean that Victor Hedman plays less. And right now, the Lightning are not in a point in their schedule where they're playing like five games in eight nights where you would be concerned about that. Now, the schedule does get busier as we as we get closer to Thanksgiving. But even still, like, so they play Saturday, Monday, and then two more days off. By off, I mean no game. There'll probably be a practice day in there and a travel day to Philly. Then you have the back-to-back over the weekend and things start to pick up. So you want to make the argument, maybe the Lightning want to go 11-7 and seven to preserve some minutes on their D when they start playing 3-4. and four. Okay, then I'm maybe a little bit more receptive to the idea. But when you go 11 and 7, you're adding a defenseman, you're taking out a forward. What does that mean for the forwards? Well, and I think that means Braden Point may be playing more. That means Stamkos might be playing more. That means Palat might be playing more. These guys might be going to the Olympics too. Well, and and that's a fair point. I, I think the question I would have is what type of minutes are those guys playing compared to the defensemen? I mean, I think when we watch Hedman and McDonough, not to take anything away from point, not to take anything away from Stamkos, because brain points all over the ice. I think you could say that Hedman and McDonough and Chernak, those are hard minutes every night. Just the way they play, pucks on their stick, battling in their own defensive zone. Hedman's on the power play, on the PK. I mean, he, he does a lot of things. So does McDonough. Yeah. They're, they're sh- the shot-blocking mentality. I, in my opinion, Dave, I, and I could be wrong, I, I think the defensemen, those guys, play harder minutes than the guys that you had mentioned. That's not to take away what those guys do on a nightly basis at the forward position. They they do take on very hard minutes as well. I'm just – maybe we're, we're picking hairs here. What that tells me are a couple of things. One – it's interesting if, if we slide 11 and 7 and Bogosian is that guy, what does that say about Cal Foot in that scenario? And that may tell us a lot, may not tell us anything. But if you're going 11 and 7, to your point, Dave, 
it's extra minutes for the elite players offensively for sure and there are pros and cons i think more pros outweigh the cons in that but I think it takes away from your analysis or your evaluation of some of the younger players who you need to evaluate and make a decision on. In other words, if you go 11-7 and seven and you're taking a couple of those younger players out of the lineup, unless they're completely imploding, what good does that do? I'm of the opinion, Dave, that this year is about finding out what you have in those younger players. And maybe it's unfair to give them just one year, but these are players who've had some pretty decent seasoning at the AHL level. I think they're at an age where, you know, they're not 20, they're not 19. These are guys that have, in many cases, you know, before this year, some NHL experience. Now this year, all those guys do. And while Kachuk and Radish don't have as much NHL experience as Barry Boulay, who doesn't have as much... NHL experience as Ross Colton. If you decide to go to that lineup, in some ways I think it does a disservice to the development of those forwards because I do think you need to find out what you have in those guys because that may directly impact Dave in some capacity what they may or may not do at the trade deadline. You know, if if Kachuk, if if Radish, if Barry Boulay if Colton starts to pick up the slack offensively, Joseph to a lesser extent, although I think he's been very good this year, then maybe they don't do much to tinker with their lineup because they've seen those younger guys fill a defined role and excel in it. But if you decide that you think the lineup of 11-7 and seven is better than 12-6, and six, and again, there, there are a lot of caveats to this, and I, I understand that, but we're talking about in the moment right now, I think it kind of defeats the purpose of keeping those younger players on the roster because I think you need to find out what you have in those players. So I, I understand what he's saying, and I actually think it makes sense. I, 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 I don't disregard you that. You really think if the Lightning go with 11 and 7, because his point was seeing the minutes for Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev go down yeah, based on the Olympics, basically. And and we haven't even talked about it. Like, do you think Ryan McDonough is going to be on Team USA for the Olympics? I think he has a better than 60% chance of making it. All right. I don't know that that's as much of a slam dunk as, as the other two, but which is which is no offense to McDonough. It's just that— I actually think 60% might be generous, but, I mean, I I, yeah. I think he's played so well the last couple of years. I How mean, does this— not? I guess I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but yeah. does that question change as it relates to McDonough if he gets that Olympic break off and he's not playing? I, it's a fair he point. he gets three weeks. That is a fair point. That is a fair point, but Dave. But we can, we can get back to that yeah. down the road. So if we look at what's happening now— not taking into consideration who may or may not be playing during the Olympic break in the Olympics. Dressing seven defensemen does not traditionally mean, at least as the Lightning have constructed their lineup, that the top defensemen play less. And if you look at how Rob Zettler answered the question that was posed to him when he met with the media before Sergachev's two-game suspension started, Greg, he was asked, where are you going to find Sergachev's minutes? Are you going to be playing Hedman, McDonough, and Chernak more? Or are you going to give more minutes to the guys who tend to play less? And his answer was, 
I really don't want to be giving more minutes to to the big three with Sergachev out. So we're going to look to give the other guys more minutes. Well, did you see the ice time after the Ottawa game? Yeah, that didn't happen. I mean, Victor Hedman played like 29 minutes. So when you're in the heat of battle, sometimes the best laid plans go bye-bye. And sometimes they aren't even in the plans because you may say, well, we don't want to play Hedman more than normal. But certainly you're not going into the game saying, we're dressing 7-D, so let's play Victor Hedman 18 minutes. Right. I just don't think that that factors in at all. Now, your point about the hard minutes, that is correct. Like Hedman, McDonough, and now Sergachev with Chernak out, those three guys are going to be seeing hard minutes. But when you're in a game and you're facing Barkov on Saturday, you're going to put your best defenseman out there to try and defend against the other team's top players. Whether those guys end up playing 22 minutes, 25 minutes, or 28 minutes. Yep. So, like, I I appreciate the question or the comment. I understand where he was going with that. But dressing 7D, there are reasons to dress 7D. But one of those reasons is not to have your big horses play less. Well, and let's face it, Dave, too. I think you're right, and it's a moot point. I think it's a fun talking point, and I think it's one of those things where on the surface it may make some sense, but the reality is that just doesn't happen in the NHL today. I mean, you can you can see that the top players are going to play big minutes on the back yeah. end. One, it's just, I think, the nature of the game, and two, I think when you have a big horse, you want to play him as much as you can. Now, it's different with goaltenders because you only have one legitimate elite goaltender, and... If that goaltender is worn down, I think that is more obvious than maybe your number one defenseman not playing particularly well. I think there are ways maybe to overcome that a bit more than just your goaltender's fatigue. And listen, you're dealing with pounds of equipment day in and day out that that wears you down. And it, yeah. it's not a coincidence. They've, they've made the attempt, and I think they've had some success trying to tone down the workload for Vasilevsky, not so much in games, but in yeah. practices. And as the schedule picks up, which, like we were talking about, I think it is going to be picking up, Elliot's going to get more regular starts. Elliot will get one of the games when the Lightning have the back-to-back at home. Yeah. They play, what, the Devils and the Wild coming up the weekend after next. And I wouldn't be surprised... Wouldn't be surprised... It may not happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a start before then. Whether I don't think he's going to get the start on Saturday against Florida, but could he play against the Islanders at home? Could he play against the Flyers, his former team on the road? This is a um, yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a scenario I'm sure they're mapping yeah, out. Yeah, and the next goes. two are the the two at home back to back. This is a fun question, Dave, and it's one that you're just going to tear out your hair because I'm going to throw it at you. And you're say, <laughs> oh, here we go, here we go, Greg. This I is don't have Greg much does. hair left as it is. You got more than I do. You got more best. than I do. I got to tell I you know. that much. Do you think because we we've heard so much about the Lightning, and really the NHL in general, the Players Association really made a push for the Olympics to be made this year for the players to go, and you know that's probably a question we could ask Jeff. Merrick down the road and and what went into that what concessions did the players have to make what did the owners have to make but I'm wondering you know we're talking about this fatigue issue and and you brought up a good point with McDonough you know if he's not named to the U.S. roster is you know 
becomes a moot point because he's got two weeks off and really can rest and, and recover. This is one of those things where I'm trying to think of U.S.-born defensemen. Yeah. Seth Jones, he's a righty. What's Ekblad? Canadian. He's Canadian. We'll have is Slavin an American? I have to think of a list. Dumoulin. Would Brian Dumoulin make it? I think Dumoulin's kind of like in that same boat as McDonough. Yeah. You know, not, you keep talking. I'm going to look up some of these guys. Yeah, go ahead. We'll, Anyways, we'll the, the, the scenario I would throw at you, and this is a complete hypothetical, so understand that we're not dealing with reality, but I think it maybe weighs to how important rest is compared to playing for the Olympics. If I were to go to the Lightning or any NHL player and say, listen, you can't go to the Olympics if you're one of those guys who's going to play on the team. Instead, you're going to get those two weeks off, but your team is guaranteed to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Not win it, but get to the Stanley Cup final. The other option would be you can go to the Olympics, but your place at the Stanley Cup final is not guaranteed. Maybe even a playoff spot is not guaranteed. What do you think most players would take? Understanding how hard they fought to play in the Olympics this year. Well, you said not guaranteed. You didn't say you're definitely missing the playoffs. So I think players look at it as, yeah, I'm going to go to the Olympics and I'm going to do everything I can to help my team get in the playoffs. You don't think that nugget of guaranteeing themselves a spot in the Stanley Cup final would outweigh an opportunity to represent their country? I don't know. Maybe it depends on the player. Well, I think think you're right. I I mean, has that player had a chance to play in the Olympics before? By the way, Slavin Slavin is American. Slavin's going to be on the team. We'd have to just go through that list and. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of kind of high end defensemen. And sometimes it's hard because, like, I knew Slavin went to college, but some U.S. college players are from Canada. Yeah. Like Kale McCarr, right? Mm -hmm. McCarr's Canadian. Yeah, he's from Calgary, but he played at, at UMass. Yeah. So. A little different than, like, Ristolainen. We know he's from Finland, right? That we do. Yeah. Anyway. So it was a fun question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I think I would probably say players always think that they can help their team have success. So if you're leaving the door open. You're saying, I'm not going to guarantee that you're getting into the playoffs or guarantee that you're going to get to the final or guarantee that you win the Stanley Cup, but you have a shot. I think most players would take, the, would Olympics take the Olympics and the opportunity to win a to cup. Represent their, yeah, that's, that's, and represent your country. As I said before, it's something you and I never will experience. Yeah, and I didn't pull out any of my hair to answer that question. Well, that's so. good. I appreciate that. Last question here before we sign off. Uh, Busta wanted to weigh in real quick on the defenseman question about you know how big of a loss is Chernak relatively speaking we don't know how long he's going to be out he said i say losing churns is big but if bogo can slide in to play with mac that's not too big a drop off churney and bogo have a lot of similar qualities though i'd say 81 is more mobile bogo is fearless though and an excellent penalty killer in his own right well i don't know if it's going to be bogosian i don't even know if bogosian is going to be in the lineup come saturday i will probably get some more information tomorrow yes when the team practices and they may run the pairs and and see but I do think that it will be an interesting question that we will get answered, and it may not be a permanent answer. We may see a rotation. Who will be playing with McDonough in that matchup situation? I, I would agree. 
which which defenseman will go on the right side when Barkov comes out, when Barzell comes out on Monday. How are the Lightning going to work that? Maybe it'll be a rotation. Maybe it'll be a little Bogosian. Maybe it'll be a little Sergachev who said can play the right side. Maybe it'll be a little Ruda. Maybe we'll see Hedman and McDonough out there together. We could. We just don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. Busta, we appreciate the uh, the response and everybody else who, who weighed in as well. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, talking about uh, some other things as well. We'll get to some NHL topics around the league, too. But, Dave, great job this morning, this afternoon. We always appreciate the analysis, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. I am Greg Lanella. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.